Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. Tech Guide. Well, without a doubt, the biggest tech story of the week. Tech Guide. It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop, and a sketch pad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 285. You're listening to the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thank you once again, loyal listeners. Thank you for downloading. First-time listeners, we're glad you found us and we hope you enjoy the show. My name is Stephen Fennick and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, Optus plans for 5G fixed wireless internet that's 20 times faster than the NBN. Legendary singer Michael Bolton stars in Audible's new Australian campaign. And we speak to futurist Barry Barton and ask if we can expect the same version of the future presented in the film Blade Runner 2049. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the DJI Mavic Pro, the Sally saddle chair that combines sitting and standing, and we're going to also talk about the retro mini Commodore 64, and we're going to finish up with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of Wi-Fi products, and Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. A packed show for you, so let's jump straight in. Well, it is big news in the telco space uh, this week with the announcement that Optus are going to roll out 5G technology in 2019. They're going to actually showcase the technology at the upcoming Commonwealth Games. Telstra as well are going to be at the Games and use it as a bit of a test event to demonstrate its next-generation 5G technologies as well. There's going to be uh, plenty of uh, opportunities to do that during the Commonwealth Games, which are being held up on the Gold Coast. The Optus are going to have a centre in Broadbeach where customers can come and experience the 5G technology, the 5G speeds for themselves. Now, the announcement isn't, isn't all about just what you can use on the mobile network when you're out and about with a smartphone. The announcement that Optus made this week was about a fixed wireless product that's going to work, obviously, first of all, in the major metropolitan areas, uh, which will allow speeds of up to 2 gigabits per second. That's 20 times, up to 20 times faster than the NBN, which is 100 megabits per second. Now, the, the product, which has been successfully trialled, uh, and, and achieve the, the speeds I just mentioned, up to 2 gigabits per second. This is going to be offered to customers as a fixed wireless device. So you can have high-speed internet connection in your home or in your business. So uh, to, up to 2 gigabits per second, that sounds pretty good to me when all we're hearing uh, is all people complaining about the NBN not being what it's cracked up to be. Uh, you, you can, of course, there are there are people who are happy with the NBN, getting 100 megabits per second, and that's great. 
I'm already get a hundred. I'm already getting a hundred megabits per second when my Optus broad, broadband cable connection is working. It isn't at the moment. It's been playing up for the last nearly two weeks. I've had terrible, terrible service, but that's a whole other story. I'm hoping Optus can come to the rescue with a 5G fixed wireless device, which will be available in early in 2019 for customers, both home and business customers, to use. Now, the the trial has been going on for some time, and during the trial, they used two bands for 5G, C-band and the MM Wave. These are the, this is the technology that was trialed during the uh, during, during the trial period, and they found these were the superior bands for fast 5G connectivity. So they're going to demonstrate this with a showcase during the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast. So if you if you're in the area for the games, uh, which kick off in April, uh, there the visitors can head to the Experience Centre down at Broadbeach to experience the speeds for themselves. Now, while you're there, of course, Telstra are also going to have their innovation centre. They've been very active in the in the 5G, the development of 5G. Optus has been working on 5G since 2016. Huawei is the company that builds the Optus networks. The last major announcement they had was the launch of their 4.5G network uh, in 2017 which is uh, was deployed successfully in, in the area where uh, Optus's campus is, in Macquarie Park in Sydney, and now it's, of course, spread around the country. At the moment, Optus's 4G network covers 96.5% of the population, so they've been working really hard, spent billions of dollars on their infrastructure. Telstra, too, they haven't been sitting on their hands either. They've been hard at work ratifying what 5G is actually going to look like, because one thing that the network works all have to agree on is what is 5g what 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 are the minimum speeds what is it going to look like how is it going to work so that's part of uh, telstra's game where they are actually part of the one of the major telcos in the world that actually is tr- uh, establishing what those standards are going to be i can remember andy penn talking to us uh, at ces or at the mobile world congress actually last year about how telstra is being really active in uh, being one of the leading companies to create that 5G standard. So they're working very hard at that as well. And you've got to remember 5G is going to enable a lot of things, not just fast data, but also a lot of the smart products that that have been deployed, not not in our home Wi-Fi network, but out in the world. You think of all the smart devices uh, that are just in the streets and in buildings, they need to connect to a network. And uh, there are dedicated networks like 5G that's going to enable that. There already are some networks that are dedicated just to those smart products. Telstra has them. Optus also has them. So all these smart products will work, really low-power products that will work uh, for years at a time and connecting through this dedicated network that's running in the background. But uh, 5G, exciting times for that, and I'm sure people listening to this podcast that on on that are on struggling on slow NBN speeds will be drooling over the potential of having two gigabit speeds in their home, and hopefully the uh, Optus product will be available uh, early in 2019 and at an affordable price. They haven't announced, of course, pricing on a product like that, but I'd say it would be very, very desirable and hopefully the price won't be out of the reach of too many people. If you want to read more about that story, you know where to go, techguide.com.au. Tech Guide, keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. Now, I've got to say, right off the bat, I'm a big Audible audiobook fan. Audible, 
the biggest provider of audiobooks. They have a massive presence here in Australia, doing really well. And uh, audiobooks are on the rise. And I have to say that uh, audiobooks allow you to get through books. You, you can't exactly say read a book because you're hearing the book. So it's someone reading you the book. So it, if in, in my case, it allows me to read a book, I should say, or hear the book while I'm doing things where normally I couldn't read a regular book, like when I'm driving or when I'm running or when I'm in the gym uh, walking around. So it, it allows me to hear the book. And with using that, I listen to audible, a lot of audible books, audio books, and other podcasts as well. But it allows me to use that time behind the wheel in the gym when I'm running, whatever I'm doing, and I manage to get through a book a week. It is remarkable how it adds to your the, the load of books that you can read. You can actually get through a lot of books a lot faster when you listen to them. Now, Audible created this this excellent campaign. It's a very funny campaign with legendary singer Michael Bolton. And he was actually in Australia last week. I did go along to the Beresford in Surrey Hills to hear him perform to launch this Audible campaign where they've actually reworked his hit song, Said I Loved You But I Lied, uh, to the change the lyrics and change the title to Said I Read You But I Lied. So the this humorous this camp this video was shot in Sydney and features Michael Bolton kind of taking the piss out of himself a little bit, looking at old pictures of himself walking around in a robe, uh, walking in a, you know, cleaning his pool, and uh, listening, of course, to his books as he would listen to music, which is what the lyrics say. But another interesting fact is that there are a lot of the audible research reveals that a lot of people lie about the books they've read. Well, yeah, Game of Thrones, I've read that. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes read all those books, and they actually haven't. So that was sort of part of the research that went into creating this campaign, hence the name of the, the reworked song, Said I Read You, But I Lied. Here, take a listen. get the idea uh, a great song reworked and uh, the, the the clip allows you to actually sing along so the lyrics are karaoke style along the bottom of the screen so you can actually 
read along, uh, sing along, I should say, to to that song. It's a it's a really funny funny clip. It's a really worth worth taking a listen. And and the song covers all the points that they want to make. Like thirty day trial, free book with every thirty day trial. Listen to your books like you listen to music. And uh, the clip shows, as I said, Michael Bolton uh, really not taking himself too seriously at the performance. He was actually not only a brilliant performer, but also a uh, quite a funny guy too. He's a real showman. And uh, I understand he's going to be back in Australia in uh, in mid-year, about June, I think, for a concert tour. So uh, I was really impressed. I'll be buying tickets to watch this legendary singer in action. But in the meantime, if you want to catch him singing his new camp uh, song for the Audible campaign, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Check now. A Tech Guide interview. Tech Guide. Next up, we are talking to futurist Barry Barton. He's the head of insights at Right Angle Studios, and we spoke to him. He was uh, brought on to tell tell us about what we what our future holds, and it's in light of the release of the new film Blade Runner twenty forty nine, starring Harrison Ford and Ryan Gosling, which presents, uh, I have to say, a pretty bleak vision of the future. And not only not only in like our environment, but our entertainment, our home life. So there are plenty aspects presented in the film, and we decided to have a chat with Barry to see whether this dystopian view of the future is actually what we can expect to to see uh, in the near future or in in the in the far future. Uh, interesting chat that we had with Barry, and here's what he had to say earlier. Hi, Barry. Thanks for joining us on the Tech Guide podcast. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, we're here to talk about you're, you're a futurist, so we're going to talk about the what, what we can expect to see in the future. And it's uh, th- this conversation is to to look at what sort of what we were given it an insight into with Blade Runner twenty forty nine, the film recently released on Blu ray and four K, which gave a pretty bleak outlook in on the future. Let's have a let, let's start the chat. How how bleak is our future, or is it the opposite to that? Is it a bright future? Yeah, that's that's exactly the question we were trying to answer through this project. So uh, the way that it came about is the um, movie studio that produced Blade Runner twenty forty nine approached us about whether we'd be interested in doing a trend forecast to kind of answer the question: Is the future predicted in Blade Runner something that's likely to happen? Or is it just um, almost pure science fiction? So uh, we went about the task of working that out. And the starting point for us was to do a whole bunch of really nerdy things. So we <laughs> looked at all of the ABS data about how quickly our cities are built, growing here in Australia, um, how many people be living them in, living in them in 2049, and kind of came to the uh, conclusion through the stats that really our cities will be a lot more like a kind of Hong Kong or a Tokyo, so pretty much like twice the population, um, much taller buildings, much more cramped kind of living conditions. So to that extent, um, you know, Blade Runner, which is obviously set in this really sort of futuristic and dense city, is kind of an accurate forecast. Yeah. But then the more that we started comparing the way that the environment's portrayed, the way the technology works in the future, the more we realise, I think, probably to our relief, that the future forecast of Blade Runner is pretty dystopian and depressing. Okay. And in, in all in all likelihood, that's not going to be our future, but it's going to rely on us doing some things now to prevent the kind of things that I think Blade Runner's providing a warning might happen if we don't sure. um, get our ear into gear. Okay, well, let, let's drill down a little bit into sort of various areas 
Let's start with the home. Yeah. Uh, we, we see in the film virtual assistants, robots. That's kind of yeah. already taking effect, isn't it? We're already seeing that with Google Assistant, Alexa, robots are coming into play. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I guess that's the kind of creepy thing about um, Blade Runner 2049, but also the original Blade Runner is that a lot of the technology that it's demonstrating in the film is already here in some way or another. And we sort of thought that was particularly true in the home. So in the movie, all of the things that you mentioned, you know, him having an AI, um, you know, and a whole lot of gadgets around the home um, are kind of already here. Like your Samsung fridge fridge is smarter than your laptop used to be three years ago. Um, and, And the whole sort of home ecosystem is changing. Um, what we kind of came to the the point of view was that the home is really moving from this place that we just inhabit to a place that is responsive. Um, the more data we provide about ourselves uh, through our smartphones that we have, through our fridge that knows what we're eating, what we've left behind, the more our f- home will actually adapt to give us what it thinks that we need. Um, so like you know, at the moment when you think of the torture of waking up in the morning and working out what clothes you would wear, um, that whole decision-making process is in the not-too-distant future kind of going to be taken out of our hands when we've got a wardrobe that already knows how much we weigh, what our body shape is, what the <laughs> weather is, what kind of mood we're in, and kind of putting putting recommendations for us based on all of all right. that data. Well, so, you know, I think that's like a you know, highly likely future. Okay. Well, still in the home, what about entertainment? We're, we're already seeing VR, yeah. you know, we've seen Oculus yeah. and all these other, the PlayStation yeah. VR. That's going to play a part too, isn't it? Augmented reality, yeah. all of that. Yeah, well, I guess the basic trend in entertainment is we're moving from our current position, which is where we're on the outside of the entertainment, to a position where we're either particip- participating in it, which is obviously gaming, or not even really um, dislocated from it, which is more of a virtual reality or an augmented reality kind of um, scenario. And, um, you know, at the moment, a lot of the the more evolved forms of entertainment happen out in big kind of entertainment buildings, um, whereas increasingly that sort of technology is moving into the home. So, um, you know, I think our ability to suspend our disbelief and throw ourselves into engagement is only going to kind of improve quite quickly in the the home into the future. Sure. Well, I'm not sure if this falls into the uh, home automation or the entertainment category, what about his virtual girlfriend? <laughs> is that is that uh, is that something we're going to see as well? <laughs> yeah, we can only hope so. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I think his relationship with his virtual girlfriend is is really fascinating um, because you know, like a lot of movies have a, a love story. And, yeah, um, she's and a lot more attractive than a Google Home speaker. I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's sort of yeah what you'd imagine some kind of nerdy guy who's working away in the back blocks of a film has imagined as his, um, his dream wife. But um, yeah, I think that the, their relationship is really interesting. I particularly like a scene where um, a real life kind of gal of the street approaches him in a market and propositions um, him. This is X, obviously Ryan Gosling's character. Yeah. And he says, you know, I, I'm in love with my AI. And she goes, oh, you're one of those people. And he just says, <laughs> yes, I am. And I kind of, I love it because he's saying, who cares whether the object of my love is real or not? It doesn't actually really matter that much. And, um, you know, even thinking back to the quaint old things like Second Life, um, you yeah. know, when that came up as a game many, many years ago, we were all 
wondered, well, uh-huh. what's wrong with just investing yourself into a virtual world rather than actually living a, you know, in the real world? What's what's wrong with that? Absolutely, yeah. And I did notice like the the, the film also had a, a, a quite a commercial side to it in terms of like advertising in your face and the, you can see lots yeah. of things and uh, we're kind of mm. seeing that as well, aren't we? Or not, not just in in front of us, but on social media, we're bombarded now with all that sort of stuff. Yeah. We sure are, and it's only getting worse at the moment. Um, and it's yeah, it's quite quite a, you know, it, it's attention theft really. Like we really are going through a very difficult um, period of time where the amount of commercial stimulus out there is way beyond our comprehension, and it's alarmingly specific to us. You know, based on what we've been doing on our phones and on our computers. And um, yeah, there is this kind of interesting theme in the film about where the government and private well private enterprise begins and stops and uh there's a kind of you know obviously an omnipresent all-knowing um corporation which seems to behave a bit more like a government and um that that to me was probably the most frightening thing about the film um was this idea that the powers that be are like quite capitalist in nature and it reminded me a lot of the the Chinese sort of social number program that they're working on at the moment with Alibaba where, uh, you know, social media and governments are coming together to kind of very, very closely monitor citizens' behaviour and assess whether they are good citizens. I think that's a very frightening thing. Sure. And just, just really happening elsewhere in the world. Just wrapping up, one last question. Where's my mm. flying car? When can I expect to get one of those? <laughs> Uh, you you um, are probably amongst uh, at least six billion people who feel really angry that that bit hasn't arrived, and it's the same with Back to the Future. They're like, really, where's my hoverboard? Um, but I, you know, a lot of the future things won't be that futuristic. And um, yeah, I, you know, drones on steroids. Maybe that's as close yeah. as you're flying cars. I've seen them. I've seen them. some of them are in operation. There's there's passenger drones. That it's kind of that, that's as close as we're going to get in the in the not too distant future. That's good enough, isn't it? Absolutely. I'd I'd settle for that. It's been a pleasure chatting to you, Barry. We really appreciate you joining us for the Tech Guide podcast. No problem. Thanks for having me. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. And they've just released Orbi, the world's first tri-band Wi-Fi system. Now, Orbi gives you reliable, secure, and really fast Wi-Fi to every inch of your home. That's right, everywhere. No more dead zones upstairs, no drop connections through walls, just better Wi-Fi across the board. Orbi reaches up to 370 square metres through Wi-Fi barriers like walls, stairs, and doors. With a dedicated internet connection, Orbi helps prevent buffering while streaming your favourite movies and shows. No matter how many devices are connected, you have ultra-fast Wi-Fi speeds. The Orbi tri-band Wi-Fi system works with your existing modem to maximise the speed you're paying for. Orbi's sleek design and state-of-the-art technology steals the show. It gives your home a superior Wi-Fi network that's both easy to set up and elegant to display. With just a couple of clicks, your secure Wi-Fi network will be ready in no time. For more information, visit netgear.com.au. Orbi, better Wi-Fi everywhere. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennig. Well, last week we were discussing the launch of the Mavic Air. And in the meantime, I have literally launched the Mavic Air and put it through its paces for my review. And I have to say, 
uh, DJI uh, Top Marks. They've done a great job with this beautiful little drone. And I really mean little. This is the fold-up drone, the follow-up to the Mavic Pro. The Mavic Air is a fold-up drone that folds down to the size of a phone. And if you don't believe me, you can take a look at my video that I shared on, on, on Tech Guide, my YouTube video. Uh, and I've also run some images on my Tech Guide review, of course. But this is a device that you, can, you can't really appreciate it until you hold it in your hand. It literally fits in the palm of your hand. So design-wise, they've done a great job. And the props fold up, fold down, in, and it, it, the compact size is actually the size of the iPhone 8 Plus, which is uh, the image that, uh, that is, is part of my YouTube video, my review video. Uh, it is compact and, and of course, with such a small size, it really makes it easy to take it anywhere. You can take it on a holiday, take it down the beach, take it wherever you want. Uh, this thing is small enough to fit in your bag, small enough to fit in your pocket if you've got a big po jacket pocket maybe. But it is a very easy-to-carry device. Similarly, the controller is pretty small, and that comes with the Mavic Pro. It allows you to connect your phone or a small tablet to run the app and control the drone and see what your what the cameras can see and uh, shoot your video and your photos. And it too small, folds down to a compact size. Even has the, you got the ability to unscrew and remove the joysticks uh, and store them within the remote, so it folds down. It, it is quite uh, it takes up less space without those uh, the, the joysticks sticking up out of the controller. Uh, has all the, the controls you'd expect with uh, the, hard, the, the shortcuts to snap your images, shoot your videos, uh, the dial to adjust the angle of the camera during flight as well. And uh, connecting is not a drama with the new Wi-Fi video transmission system that's actually located in the front landing gear of the drone. So it supports a dual frequency band of 2.4 and 5.8 gigahertz. So this thing can, can be up to four kilometers away and you'll still be able to stream video. Not legal to have it four kilometers away, but it is capable of being four kilometers away and streaming high definition video. Incredible. But what is really impressive about the, the Mavic Air is its camera and its gimbal system. It's got a three-axis gimbal, which takes the shakes out of, the, of the, all your shots. And in, in my video, which you'll see, I shot it uh, in Lurline Bay near the sort of North Maroubra Cliffs there. And it was quite a windy day. And this little device, this little Mavic Air, smoothed all of that out. You couldn't see one shake. It was steady as a rock, even in those high winds. It kept uh, coming up on the, on the app saying, high wind velocity warning, and the video was rock steady. Really impressive. Not only is that impressive, but the quality you get out of this drone is also impressive, super impressive. 4K video at up to 30 frames per second. You can shoot 2.7K at up to 60 frames per second and full HD at up to 120 frames per second. Really impressive. 12 megapixel stills. You can shoot bursts of 3, 5, or 7 frames at a time. Also included... HDR, so you're shooting high dynamic range, maximum video bit rate of 100 megabits per second. So that is some flying camera that you got there that could be small enough to fold down and fit in your pocket. Uh, video image quality, remarkable. And check out my video if you don't believe me. It uh, looks incredible. Uh, it also is uh, all, your, all your shots rock steady and also has these new capture modes so that, yes, you can 
fly it and control it through the controller, but there are also other capture methods. One of them is smart capture, so you can control the drone manually using gestures. So you stick out your palm, it'll lock onto you as a subject, and then you're able to move your arm left and right, moving it like you've got the force around a left to the right, up or down. Uh, you put two palms in the air, spread them apart, the drone goes further away, bring them together, the drone comes closer to you. Really easy. You can even put your palm down to the ground and even land it without having the remote control in your hand. If you want to take a selfie, simply make the peace sign and you'll see the lights blink in a countdown for you ready to take your shot. If you want to take shoot a little selfie video, you make a little frame with your fingers and it'll start shooting and another frame will stop the shooting as well. Uh, really, really cool little feature that, the smart capture. But one of our favourites was quick shots. Now, quick shots... Are they these little these little methods these little shooting methods that uh, you know that you got the rocket which goes straight up uh, straight up shot of yourself a droney orbits helixes asteroids and boomerangs which are different ways where the the drone circles the subject in this case it was me in the videos but the, it varies it varies the heights the angles so that it can really reveal where you are so rather than taking a selfie of where you are this can take an amazing orbital shot and really illustrate where you are. In my case, check out the video. I'm standing on a cliff in Lurline Bay. So the, the, the drone camera starts on me and then it goes around, orbits around behind me, then it reveals the view that I'm looking at. It, it really helps you shoot like a pro. People looking at your videos will think, wow, this, this person is, is a skillful drone pilot, whereas the drone is actually doing it on its own. These are on-rails features that allow you just to click a button, select your subject, and it's done. You don't have to hold the controller. It does it all by itself. Remarkable feature is Quick Shots, one of my favorites, and another reason why this is a powerful drone, uh, e even suitable for, for people who are flying a drone for the first time. So it really takes all that guesswork. Uh, it doesn't really require you to be sort of pro-level pilot skills to capture these shots, which is really, really impressive. There is, of course, active track, so you can track moving objects, select them, it'll lock on and follow from the front, from behind or from the side. So you can track yourself if you may be riding a bike or cycling or running, whatever you happen to be doing, moving in any particular way. It will follow you to lock on and stay there. It also can shoot 32 megapixel sphere panoramas. So it does this uh, by stitching 25 images together in just eight seconds. So you can imagine viewing this, these panorama shots with the DJI goggles it really gives you that immersive effect of uh, and really sort of showing where you are in this immersive way flight time uh, up to 21 minutes is what dji says and this is if you fly the battery till it's absolutely dead uh, in our case we mentioned this on the podcast last week that our safety measure was having the low battery warning activated at when the battery had 25% power remaining. This gave us enough time and enough fuel to return if we were over water or far away to get the drone back to us. So with our 25% rule, we managed to get about 15 minutes per, per battery. 
Uh, if we were if the we were flying over land and we were just keeping the drone close to us, we'd normally run it down until until there was about five percent on the battery or about ten percent, and that took the flight time out to about nineteen minutes, which which is a long time when you think about a flying a drone. Uh, that that is it's pretty impressive, and of course you can always carry spare batteries. So if you've got two batteries, then you can double that. If you've got three batteries, you can triple that. Uh, the uh, Mavic Air has built-in memory. 8 gig of of internal storage, as well as a micro SD card slot, so you can also uh, use that. But having the 8 gig up your sleeve, uh, that will come in handy, especially if you sometimes forget your SD card. So you know that you've got 8 gig memory aboard the the drone, but you'll want to have more with a memory card to fit all your great videos and images. Pricing. The The DJI Mavic Air is not a cheap drone. It is $1,299, but you are getting a drone that is easy to fly and captures incredible videos and images. Without you having to have too much expertise, without you having to be a pro, this will make you look like a genius, having this drone, especially with quick shots and all those smart capture features. It is really, really remarkable. There is a Fly More combo, if you want to pay a little bit more. That, that's 1500 bucks. With the At $1,299, you get the case, you get the drone, of course, the controller, you get one battery. With the Fly More combo for an extra 300 bucks, you can get three batteries, three sets of propellers, as well as the case and a travel bag as well. The Mavic Air is available in three colors, black, white, and red. We had the black. You can see that on our video. I urge you to take a look at that at Tech Guide just to appreciate the drone itself and the quality of the videos it can take, as well as looking at those incredible quick shots that we created as well. The DJI Mavic Air, if you want to read our complete review, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Next up, we are talking about the Sally Saddle Chair. Now, you can cast your mind back a couple of months ago when we wrote about having a standing desk. Now, a standing desk is a a great way to work. I I do a lot of my work standing up, and what I learned is that Having being seated for a long time, and you think about how often we're sitting down, we're, you know, if we're sitting in an office or we're sitting in a car or on a bus or a train or a plane, we do sit down a long time every day. And health professionals have discovered this is no good for us. So uh, being seated for extended periods, no matter whether we're fit or unfit, it has the same effect on our circulation, our posture, our back. It can have all these detrimental effects accumulating over the years. Well, the standing desk kind of put paid to that. It, It solved that issue. But what the Sally saddle chair does, it kind of combines standing with sitting. So to describe what the chair looks like, imagine a stool. So there's no back to this. But instead of having a flat surface to sit on, it's shaped, hence the name, like a saddle. So there are two halves to the seat. So for you to sit properly on it, you need to, you have your feet are at a 45 degree angle. Rather than being seated at a 90 degree angle as we do when we normally sit down, your feet are actually aimed at 45 degrees or your thighs are aimed at 45 degrees. So you're kind of standing and you're kind of sitting. And because there's no backrest, you are kind of forced to have a good posture. So it sort of pushes your pelvis forward and your back is then, it has this proper lumbar curvature so that you are actually sitting upright, having a good posture, pelvis forward and feet on the ground 
So you're not slouching, you've got good posture, and this leads to other benefits like better circulation. Uh, so better circulation means there's more blood to your brain, uh, less headaches. Poor circulation can lead to headaches. Uh, and you know the tension areas in, in your upper back as well. So it, it is it is an interesting concept. And I've got to say, the Sally chairs themselves, they're, they're not cheap. The, we, we, the chair that we reviewed was the Sway Fit. That's valued at $765. And there are chairs on there that Sally sell that are, that are worth thousands of dollars. But you, you need to know that it has an amazing design, really solid construction. It's got not only height adjustment, but also width adjustment. So the two halves of the saddle, you can you can bring them closer together, further apart, depending on your height and your build. So you can add, you can find the right zone so you, you're sitting comfortably or sit standing comfortably uh, on, on the chair. And there's no questioning the build quality. It's remarkable. So you are getting what you pay for. The chair that we got has a five-year warranty. That's how, how much they're backing that technology. Now, it was interesting when using it, uh, and I mentioned earlier, our legs were at a 45-degree angle. So it's at 45 degrees, pelvis tilting forward rather than backward. If you, When you're sitting on a regular chair, your pelvis tilts backward. With the saddle chair, your pelvis actually tilted forward. And that then is like a domino effect up your back so that you have pelvis forward, your back is straight, shoulders upright, so your posture is straight away. Uh, it's a lot better than it would be if you're sitting down in a slouched position. So the whole idea of having a standing desk is to have that that blood flow, that standing posture, so that you you because you're not sitting down, you have to stand upright. What this does, it allows you to be seated, but also to stay upright at the same time. So you don't really have a choice on the chair when you get into the into the saddle chair. It does uh, just the fact that you've got your legs on either side, your feet on the ground, and pushing that pelvis forward is what promotes that better posture. Uh, and as I mentioned, the, the blood circulation speeds up, so you're not getting sore lower back, sore upper back tension in your shoulders. And uh, the, the other benefit is that your, your hips and knees are also in uh, at a 135-degree angle, which, which decreases the pressure on your cartilages and the risk of your of joint ailments then is reduced. So less pressure on your lower body, better posture in your upper body, and uh, you're you're in good shape. And because it's higher than a regular chair as well, you're also putting less stress on your knees when you want to stand up because you're kind of half standing up anyway. If you were to get up from a regular chair, you are putting a lot more strain on your knees to stand upright. So if you are interested in having a standing desk, this, this because it's height adjustable, I used it with my standing desk, so it can actually be quite high, uh, and the, the standing desk is quite high as well. So it is height adjustable. So if you have a standing desk and you want to maybe change it up a little bit, so still have the benefits of standing, but uh, have also the benefits of posture, but also not having to put all the weight on your feet, then the saddle chair is definitely worth a look. Yeah, we've reviewed it on Tech Guide. The Sally Sway Fit is the chair that we, we use, as we mentioned earlier, valued at $765. And if you want to read our review, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Now, here is a really cool product. Now, retro products, like everything old is new again, and here's a new product that... Uh, follows the uh, the Nintendo NES miniature NES. Uh, they also put a little Atari mini Atari console out, but 
coming up at the end of March, you'll be able to purchase the mini Commodore 64. Now, for me, this is a real step back in time because the Commodore 64 was the very first computer I ever owned. And this was, uh, it, it ran basic. I learned how to do basic programming. And it also allowed me, it was my first exposure to video games. And in my case, when I had my Commodore 64, I had a tape drive. So I had my game loaded up on a cassette. I remember I had to press play, and it would take about 30 minutes to load the game. Long enough to me to go watch TV or kick the footy around in the backyard, and then I'd come back in, and, oh, there it is. It's loaded, ready to go. Just hit return, and then it runs the, the program, and I'm playing a game. It took 30 minutes to load, can you believe? Uh, and and a, lot, a lot of you listening, whoever had a Commodore 64s will remember that and have fond memories of that. That's how it was back then. A lot different now, of course. But the C64 Mini, which will be available on March 29, priced at 149 bucks, It's available now for pre-order from EB Games and JB Hi-Fi. So uh, that is going to also have... Uh, it's going to have a little miniature keyboard on top of that. It's just there for show. There's going to be USB ports to connect the, uh, the joystick that comes with it, HDMI connection to your television. There is even... A, a feature on the C64 Mini, an emulator, so that your high-definition TV can look like it has the scan lines of your normal, the, the, the cathode ray tube TV, your old tube TV. It can emulate the scan line so it looks like it's you're playing it on your old TV again. And I bet a lot of people, including me, are going to activate that feature to play these games how we remember it. There's 64 games included uh, on on the uh, the C64 Mini. Uh, a lot of favourites here, including Boulder Dash, California Games, Pit Stop 2, Skate Crazy, Summer Games 2, so many to mention. I've got the full list on my story on Tech Guide. But this is going to be a welcome addition to my range of tech products that I own, the C64 Mini. I'm getting it. 149 bucks available from JB and EB Games for pre-order. If you are a child of the 80s like myself, then you'll have very fond memories, as I do, of the Commodore 64. The C64 Mini, you want to check it out and have a look at the pictures and look at the list of games and also watch the uh, the trailer for the C64 Mini. You can check it out at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fenning. Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Now, we all love public Wi-Fi. We all use it. But did you know it isn't always safe? Without the right protection, your personal information could become public. There have been plenty of vulnerabilities exposed, and there are these. this group of vulnerabilities would allow attackers to intercept data transmitted across a Wi-Fi network. Personal information transmitted over the Internet or stored on your connected devices, things like passwords, credit card numbers, and more, could become vulnerable. All this personal information can be used towards committing identity theft and even accessing your bank accounts without your knowledge. The team at Norton are dedicated to helping you keep your valuable data safe. And with that, you need Norton Wi-Fi Privacy. It encrypts the personal information you send and receive on public Wi-Fi to help keep it private wherever you want to log on. Help protect your information with Norton Wi-Fi Privacy. To find out more, visit au.norton.com. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk.
couple of quick questions on the Tech Guide help desk, and we do give priority to VoiceBite. If you want to ask us your tech question, rather than emailing your tech question, you can ask us your tech question using the VoiceBite app, free on iOS and Android. Simply use the hashtag Tech Guide and record your tech question. You've got 15 seconds, or you may want to give us a little mini review of a product that you love or hate. Uh, will play your voice on the Tech Guide podcast. Uh, this week we had a couple of emails. One was from a reader wanting to know how they can move their contacts from their old Windows device, Windows mobile device, to a new Android device. Now, my answer to that is that the Android device, they normally have transfer apps so that you can connect your old phone and it'll get out your messages, your images, your contact lists. Everything that's valuable to you can be transferred directly from there. You can also connect them via Bluetooth and transfer all your contacts via Bluetooth. There's ways even to store them on a memory card or up in the cloud. So plenty of ways to get your contacts, but I suppose the easiest way would be to use that transfer app that is part of every new Android device. Even the iPhone can get all your info out of an Android device as well. So worth looking at right there. So no stressing about changing from one phone to the other. These transfer apps really do all the heavy lifting for you. Another question I had from Marita was concerned with their Samsung Tab A device not connecting to Bluetooth. Now, I think they had a system where they had they could send invoices on the go and they were unable to connect via Bluetooth. For some reason, it would, would drop out. They'd have to repair it, and it, then it would drop out completely. They wouldn't be able to connect it at all. Uh, my advice, I did ask the question whether the tablet was left on all the time. I do discover that a lot of uh, a lot of people, listeners and readers who have these little niggling problems, nine times out of ten, they keep the device on 24-7. They haven't shut it down for months. And right there, that could be the issue. So my advice to uh, this reader was to turn the device off if it had been on for a long time. The other thing they needed to do was to uh, to turn Bluetooth on and off, maybe. The other thing, too, was to uh, the device that was in the Bluetooth list of products to forget that connection and then connect fresh, pair up to that device as if it's brand new to see if that could then catch on and keep that pairing there to use as long as they want. Uh, they are our questions for the help desk this week. Again, if you want to get in touch with us, info at techguide.com.au, but we'd prefer you sending us a voice bite. We want you to hear your voice on the podcast. Voice bite's about hearing, not reading. So if you want to hear your voice on the Tech Guide podcast, record us a voice bite, your tech question, or a little mini review using the hashtag Tech Guide. Get recording, and we'll play your voice right here on the Tech Guide podcast. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the end of our show for this week. And you can read about everything and watch everything that we've talked about at techguide.com.au. If you want to get in touch, we prefer voice bites, or you can email us at info at techguide.com.au. We want to give a special shout-out to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family and your devices safe online. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.